I was just thinking that like as we're nearing this um this moment where uh like I'm gonna be vaccinated, like get my second dose soon. Yeah. And um and it's gonna be so weird to reflect on this moment because like there was a point where it was like you might not make it to the other side. You know what I mean? And like, I think we're going to forget that. I think there's going to be like a bunch of weird, like it's going to feel like it was like an inevitability that we got to the other side. And that is, uh, that's so wild that our brains can, I don't know. It's, it's going to be, it's going to be real weird. Like just to like reflect on this moment, like four or five years from now. Yeah. Like I, I kind of, I, I always thought it was going to be okay, but that's because I'm like stupid and, and don't think (laughs) through it. I'm like, of course it'll be, you know what I mean? Of course everything's going to be fine. What is the world going to end? Like, yeah, possibly Alex. (laughs) It could have, I mean, people could have just like totally whiffed. Yeah. I was just like, things always seem to work out for me. So of course everything (laughs) will work out for everybody. It's a real Winnie the Pooh attitude, but, uh, no, you see, that's where we're different. I'm not Winnie the Pooh. I'm Winner the Pooh. Oh, you're right. You're right. And I'm the regular Eeyore. That is so funny to view this podcast through that lens. As you're win- winning the Pooh and I'm Eeyore? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Can we start calling you winning the Pooh? <laughs> <laughs> ourselves instead of using alex on it will you say my name is winning how about alex winning the poo on it <laughs> and will you say eric eeyore roth sure okay welcome to bundle buddies the podcast where we play through the hio bundle for racial justice and equality my name is alex winning the poo on it and my name is eric eeyore roth I thought you weren't going to do it. I really appreciate it. I did it. I almost bailed too. <laughs> I know. I could tell. I could tell. The HIO Bundle for Racial Justice and Equality was launched in June 2020 during the massive outcry for racial justice following George Floyd's murder by police. It has 1,741 items from 840 plus creators and it raised over $8 million. All proceeds were donated to the NAACP Legal Defense and Educational Fund as well as the Community Bail Fund. This is episode 34 and we have played 95. Of the 1,365 playable games in the bundle. We are knocking on the Century Club, folks. Are are we going to do something uh, for the when we hit 100? Are we going to have like, uh, when I was in kindergarten, we had um, our teacher, what was her name? I can't remember my kindergarten teacher's name. Is that bad? Whoa, really? I don't know. It's probably Um, good because you've moved on. I remember mine, Miss Bartlett. Yeah, dude, you're really stuck in the past. Uh, we, uh, every, every I wish day, I was in kindergarten again. <laughs> we would put a number on the wall, and when we got to 100, we had a 100 party, and we all cut paper glasses with the zeros for our eyes, like a one zero zero, right? 
Um, and uh, maybe you and I should do that for when we play 100 games in the bundle. Honestly, cutting like fake glasses out of paper sounds like a lot of fun. I was thinking like, <laughs> man, how great to be so amused by that as a kid. But I was like, you know what? That sounds pretty fun now. I would still right. like that. Oh, God, we should have done that in quarantine. That's, that's totally a quarantine activity. There's not going to be time for cutting paper glasses out. Nope. When, when, we when missed the windows closed. Out. The window's still closing. Yeah, Eric, how long until you get vaxxed? Until your uh, second shot? Two days. Two days. Oh, my um, God. Very much looking forward to it. I'm I going bet, to... dude. Are you, are you going to go out and just kiss something? The, the street, maybe? Lick the street? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Was I was I not supposed to be doing that before? I don't remember that being in the CDC guidelines because I've definitely ever you know that's not down. that's something I'm not sure about. Is that bad? I don't know. And let's move on because actually this episode is like really good and 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 anyone it's very fun. Anyone who's who Baz is like going to tell to listen to him on this episode is going to be like, why the fuck am I listening to these two idiots? I want to listen to. Michael listening Walsh. to winning the Pooh and Eeyore over here. Librarium Studio Studios, who made the Molitoral, uh, sort of that interesting quick time event, uh, strange like journey through dreams puzzle game. Uh, they released a new demo for a game called Existensis. Oh, cool. um, the art looks really cool. It looks even better than the Molitoral. And that was an interesting game with a lot of cool ideas. Uh, so I'm excited to check this one out and see uh, what's uh, developed from the last one. Um, yeah, that seems but awesome. Our guest this week is the amazing Michael Balzer, who uh, is a friend to you and a friend to me. Um, great. He's great. great. Just, a, just a true oh my delight God. and a fantastic guest on this show. Um, before we get to the episode, um, our cause this week is the International Rescue Committee. Uh, the International Rescue Committee responds to the world's worst humanitarian crises and helps people whose lives and livelihoods are shattered by conflict and disaster to survive, recover, and gain control of their future. In more than 40 countries and over 20 U.S. cities, their dedicated teams provide clean water, shelter, health care, education, and empowerment support to refugees and displaced people, www rescue.org right now um they are helping out in india which has been hit uh, brutally and horrifically by uh, the covid 19 crisis as it uh continues to develop um so we've donated to them if you donate and send proof to bundle buddies podcast at gmail.com we'll shout you out on the show please should donate we, should we get to this episode let's do it baz is I mean, he was like instrumental in my uh, time in Chicago, and I know for years too. He gave oh, me a lot of really cool yeah. opportunities. I mean, he's like he's the... like a mentor, uh, like a big brother figure. So it's like, yeah, you know, it rules. Uh, he, Baz rules. He rules. He rules. He you rules. rule. Winnie the pool poo rules. Winner the poo rules. Winner the poo. <laughs> whether the poo be this or whether the poo be that. We'll be together, whatever the, uh, wither the poo. Oh my God. Here you go. Here's Bass. I'm going to stop talking again. With 
like humans yes <laughs> so yeah i think we're good okay i think we're good have you ever been grilled like just just really <laughs> run yeah welcome up? to the fucking welcome to the bundle buddies arena because <laughs> you're not getting out of here without some kind of scar <laughs> i wear scars with pride let's do it let's do it oh uh, everybody no those are scarves you wear with pride <laughs> <laughs> everybody this this is such an exciting episode for all of our listeners I, actually i have no idea how our listeners are gonna feel about this episode but i'm really excited for it uh we have we have michael balzer on the line all the way from sunny glendale i think or pasadena pasadena uh, southern pasadena northern glendale uh on this road <laughs> the exact location yeah hi hi baz how are you hi guys it's so nice to see you oh it's so nice to see <laughs> you, you too you are two of my absolute favorite people um place independent but like definitely when i think back to my time in chicago you two rank very high oh so. yes well this is this is fun too because uh i mean this is a podcast about video games but we have two former artistic directors of improv olympic <laughs> and now defunct improv olympic here that is so fucking funny i did not think about it like that and we, will we just need do... two more and we'll have the gamut we, we'll, we're not gonna talk at all about improv <laughs> Well, two of the people on the podcast don't like it, so it would not be a very good topic of conversation. I, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. What do you think about tag outs? Dumb. Uh, Look, that's I, my fa- I, I, my favorite way to talk about improv is to talk about the mechanics. Well. Tag outs. <laughs> I'm not a big theory guy or sort of like what makes improv cool. It's the nuts and bolts that I want to get into. What do you think about what do you think about when people ask for suggestions? <laughs> as long as it's not food related. Uh, Bez, um, thank you for being on the podcast. Uh, we talk about video games here, but. But before we even get into that, you have uh, one of the coolest jobs ever, at least from the outside. Uh, from the outside looking in, I, I, uh, why don't you why don't you why don't you tell the listeners what it is that you do? Who are you? Sure. Uh, when I uh, when I was released from the Improv Olympic creative director role, uh, I started designing theme parks, and that's what I've been doing for the past six or seven years. Had enough experience with some pretty wacky environments, so it made you qualified. <laughs> Can I get a suggestion uh, of any ride at all? Uh, uh, what does that mean? What? Uh, so uh, a lot of people say, so does that mean you design roller coasters? And the answer is like, well, kind of. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm on like the, the froofy creative side of the design, so... Uh, I, I conceptualize and ideate ideas for parks and rides. And then I talk to actual science people who uh, can turn them into reality. So uh, when like I have a good idea for a roller coaster, you know, it'd be really neat if this genie chased us across the <laughs> desert and fired magic at us and we spun around like this, then the roller coaster guy is like, yeah, that violates the laws of physics. <laughs> and then, and then and then I say something like, "We'll make it not do that." And he says, "Okay." And then he comes back with an actual design, and that's basically what I do. Um, 
And it's super fun. And it's actually funny that you mentioned the improv thing because uh, like one of the inventors of the theme park design industry is a guy named Bob Gurr. And he decided early on that the motto for theme park design is yes, if. Uh, <laughs> wow. Oh, my, oh my God. Uh, what is that? What is, if we're being, like, to the if listener, we're being totally honest, yes, like. Yeah, the listener, ahead. yes, and is the uh, the mantra of improv that uh, sort of allegedly underlies or undergirds <laughs> all aspects of that art form. So, yes, if is an incredible riff on that. Well, what? So, what is that? Uh, what does that kind of look like? Is there? Do you have like a like an example? In, and is that you know? Do you have an example of that kind of in in practice in some way? Uh, I, maybe not a, a really solid one, but like, let's say theoretically it breaks down like this. Improvisers have to say yes and because they don't have time to like, uh, justify a bad decision or make a bad decision good. They just kind of got to roll with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but in theme park design, it's like, yes, that's a good idea if we actually do it correctly, which actually, <laughs> which, which actually tracks with like all of my beef that I had with improv over the years. Uh-huh, so I feel so, yeah. I feel so much more comfortable in, in this world than I did in that one. Oh, um, I yeah. love it. That's, that's so cool. I, we could, we could probably talk about theme parks for forever. Do you have a favorite theme park? We don't have to talk about uh, theme parks for forever, but I do know. actually. It's okay. a it, it's a weird it's a weird one. It is a Bollywood park in Dubai. Oh, oh cool uh, man! Yeah, yeah. I was actually in Dubai because I was working on a park, uh, a brand new park, and we were just doing like our first round of creative meetings, and we went around to like the five other theme parks in Dubai over two days, and like saw everything, and it started off really bad. Like the parks were horrible. And it was August, so it was like 150 degrees, right, and it was yeah. miser- miserable. And the last park we visited was Bollywood, and by that point, I was like so fried. But I walked in, and it was like totally giddy. <laughs> and like, and the the best thing I can say about it is they had this 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 thing called the Debang Stunt Spectacular, oh. and. Uh, Debang is basically like, uh, or maybe it's Debang. I'm sorry if I'm pronouncing it incorrectly. Debang Debang is a uh, he's like a franchise character in Bollywood who is a combination of Rambo and Stallone's role in Copland and um <laughs> like uh the mustache from uh that that show on apple tv that everyone likes so much um wait are you talking about ted lasso ted, L- ted lasso yeah that's it wait so he's also like really nice and kind yeah and, uh, <laughs> and they uh it turns out friends of mine actually designed this this attraction so i feel like totally cool about like plugging it but basically it was a 25 minute stunt spectacular in the world of Debang slash Debang, which was spoken in English. So it was like half Hindu, half English. Uh-huh. And uh, it was everything you would expect it to be with like inexplicable dance numbers around atomic bombs oh. and like the bad guys doing dance moves and 
the dance moves turning into a fight and then it culminates with debang like grabbing a zip line and explaining exactly how he's going to solve the problem which is and he does it in english he's like i am going to ride down this line and i'm going to shoot that thing and it's going to explode and then we'll be okay and then he does exactly that <laughs> and the and the crowd went nuts. And I think I, I'd been going on like five hours of sleep. So I was totally delirious at the time. But I had like <laughs> the, the dumbest grin on my face the entire time. And I hung out afterwards and like got autographs from the performers oh. and like took selfies with them. Oh. So the entire park is like that. It was just manic and beautiful. So I love Dubai, stunt shows. Yeah. I love stunt shows so much. I think the first one, the first one that I remember was uh six flags great america the batman stunt show so like when they introduced the batman ride it was it must have been like batman forever themed stunt show <laughs> oh it was just so good just a deeply strange stunt show it was... batman forever was in my mind for so long that was the best batman movie they made like <laughs> and then i watched it again and was like this is borderline insane like this <laughs> Is that the Joker? That's, the is it, Joker Two Face. Is that the Val Kilmer one? It's yeah, uh, yeah. It's Val Kilmer. Kiss okay. from a Rose is in it. <laughs> it's fuck. It brought it. It brought so many things. Jim Carrey is the Riddler. Oh. Tommy Lee Jones is Two Face. Chris, uh, what's his name? Is is Robin? Uh, we actually just watched Chris O'Donnell. Yeah, Chris O'Donnell yeah. with his little his little nineties <laughs> hoop earring. <laughs> it's so funny. Like it. Just imagining, like you know, the Spider-Man was the first. It, it seemed like they just thought that like super movie, superhero movies were like less action movies and more like all about campiness. You know, it was just they didn't get it until like 2001 when Spider-Man came out, like the you know the Sam Raimi one. But even that, watching it now, is like un, almost unwatchable because it's so silly at times. I we we just watched uh, Batman Returns, the one with Penguin and Catwoman, and uh, yeah. I legit think that that's still a good batman movie maybe oh sure maybe the maybe best. The, of, yeah. of that era definitely um it cul- that, that vibe that culminated in batman and robin which is the that's the george clooney one oh yeah is that's a, absolute that insanity a, that one's bad my um my 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 actual favorite stunt show is the Waterworld stunt show at universal yes yes uh theme park where um I had a very similar experience at Universal that it sounds like you had going through Dubai, where it was just like <laughs> way too hot of a day. I spent the entire day feeling so cranky that we were spending so much money on like, you know, like crusty burgers that were just like really shitty hamburgers. <laughs> and then like... That was on theme. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And, then, uh, and then like showed up at the Waterworld stunt show and it was just like so hot and we sat in the splash zone and just like getting soaked while people were like flipping through the air uh was just like incredible and then friends of mine had like they've got like a screen in their backyard and um and we're gonna like show Waterworld to like you know 10 or 20 of their friends and my buddy paul mide it works as as one of the like I think he's like Optimus Prime at Universal or something like that. And uh, <laughs> and I was like, hey, like kind of just sort of like, I don't know. It'd be funny. Like, do you know anybody at the Waterworld stunt show who would want to like do a talk back 
with us at our screening before we watch Waterworld. And he's like, let me reach out to my bud. And this dude who plays like the um, the the smoker, who's the main Dennis Hopper Deacon. Ca- yeah, Deacon. character, yeah. showed up and just like sh- showed the entire YouTube of the Waterworld stunt show while doing a talk back for my friends. And like people still talk about this day as being an incredible, and incredible experience. And we were all- Unfortunately, <laughs> my story is about the Postman stunt show, which is a much more somber and slow moving kind of experience. <laughs> It was still a very better, sad that's, time. That's still better than the tin cup stunt show. <laughs> <laughs> the pushing tin stunt show. The red state versus uh, blue state stunt show. This guy's got so many stunt shows from his career. It's really incredible. Um, okay, let's let's we'll sh- let's shift gears a little bit. Yeah, Baz, and and talk about one of the things we know about you, Baz, is that like you know I seeing people who love vintage video games and stuff like that online is one thing, but actually knowing someone who has a collection is another. And you're probably the person I know who is most interested in sort of like collecting physical media of like older games. Uh, So tell us like, where did that start from? Like actually doing that. And then also what were the games that like, you know, what was your journey like from the beginning with video games in general and computer games for that matter? Yeah. Um, so uh, thanks for that shout out. I think that's a point of pride for me. So I'm going <laughs> to roll with it. Um, yeah, uh, the thing is, I was I was kind of raised with gaming. Um, we had a 2600 in my house uh, when I was born. Uh, it's a heavy sixer for those of you who are into the lingo. Um, <laughs> what does that mean? What, I'm not... Yeah, completely went over my head. <laughs> Uh, so it's actually about like re- hardware revisions to the 2600 slash VCS. The the heavy sixer was like the first model that weighed like 7,000 pounds and had six manual switches on the top and like hardcore wood paneling. Um, <laughs> I, th- I think it's the most collectible one right now, but I don't know. Do you um, still have it? But no, no. Mm. Um, I still have all of the systems that I personally bought for myself. Okay. So going back, going back to my PS one. Um, but I haven't like, I actually haven't bothered uh, buying the systems that I was raised with that my parents bought for me yet. Okay. Uh, I, I do have like a, a bit of a, a line that I won't cross where like the, the, the hardware and the physical media is important to me in so much as the games are still playable mm. and the fact of the matter is that uh on like a fundamental gaming level those early games are kind of rough and on a ability to actually play on a television today those games are pretty <laughs> yeah difficult totally. to so really like i i sorry i emulate those things whenever i want to revisit them but um, yeah um, but no, I, I do have like a pretty solid collection of what are now retro consoles going back to the N64, PS1, mm-hmm. um, and um, a growing collection of games that, you know, I don't collect for value, but for nostalgia, or I didn't have that when I wanted it as a kid. And now, <laughs> now you're a damn grown up and you can buy the thing that you've held on to for so long. Yeah. 
and I don't have any kids, so uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm free to indulge in this. And uh, yeah, it's actually it's super fun, and you know, I actually have like a big old shelf with all of my uh, my games like on display. And the cool thing is, like uh, over the summer, I I finally got around to doing like a hardcore playthrough of uh, uh, Katamari Reroll on the Switch. Mm. Oh, fun! And I was a big fan of uh, uh, Katamari Damacy in college and playing it on Switch kind of like really reminded me how much I love that franchise, but I had never played like We Love Katamari or the releases for 360 or PS3, Uh but I happened to have all those systems. So I was able to go on eBay and like scoop up all of the Katamari releases after wow. I did re-roll and they're just sitting here ready for me to dig into. Oh, that's fun. Cool. Do you, yeah. do you have like an early formative video game memory at all? Yeah, <laughs> I, I do. It's a, it's a collection of memories because, uh, so after the, uh, 2600, uh, my, my like primary, like formative gaming machine was a Commodore 64. Okay. Uh, and my dad worked for Xerox and was part of like a proto pirating ring. <laughs> so like he, he and his buddies would just pass around these like, you know, four and a quarter inch floppy disks with like seven pirated C64 games on each one. Unbelievable. And, and you pop them in the, in the disk drive type load quotation mark menu quotation mark comma eight comma one return and then it would pull up like your list of games and we had like 400 of these discs oh so wow i had an endless supply of c64 games from like the age of six through 12 that like just totally dominated my youth do you have uh Um, do you have what 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 are some of the the tops what are some of your your faves so the two that come to mind immediately were a uh, an early platformer called Montezuma's Revenge. I um, I feel like we've had people talk about that game on this, but I I don't remember. Really? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, tell me about it. Tell me about Montezuma's Revenge. <laughs> <laughs> well, first and most important, the title is a joke about diarrhea. Yes. So, uh-huh. ha, ha, ha. <laughs> yeah. Um, it was it was some kind of like borderline racist uh platformer where you were like raiding a tomb or something mm. in mesoamerica mm-hmm. sure. uh, and it was your typical like jump over snakes grab pieces of gold stuff but it was it was actually like pretty smooth and it was it wasn't scrolling it was like uh you know walk across the screen into a new maze okay it, uh-huh. down left right down but the map was massive and I never ever figured out like where everything was, but I was super dedicated to the idea of figuring out the entire map. Uh And I remember one day I came upon this, this part that may have been the end of the game, but I was too young to realize that's what it was (laughs) where you jumped off a ledge and then just like infinitely fell. (laughs) And, (laughs) And you could still control your little, you know, Tomb Raider guy. Uh, and like steer him in midair to collect more gold, uh-huh. but it never reached the bottom. It was just like, hey, I guess you won. Here's here's more more gold while you just wait to fall die of for dehydration. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
<laughs> that's incredible like early you know not realizing that like people really want some sort of a cathartic experience at the end of the video game where it's like i mean pretty much i feel like i it, it's hard to get a a like fully i feel like there are very few games where i've finished it and been like felt good you know what i mean like i always have that like emptiness feeling of just sort of being like oh now i now i can't really do this <laughs> anymore uh so i guess why not just like send your main character off an infinite ledge <laughs> just like I, I feel like that's a, a maybe prepared you for a career in sketch comedy bands just like not knowing how to end something <laughs> i'm falling forever <laughs> <laughs> character falls forever <laughs> we just so um, we just played um uh, frog fractions 2 which is a game hidden inside of the game glitter mitten grove but it is uh i think frog fractions 2 if you ever get a chance to you know like in order to get to the game you have to dig through another game and find a secret door hidden inside of it it's like a, it was a big you it, know like it was a weird like indie thing that was a big deal for a little bit. Um, but those the game inside of it is like a reference to those early floppy disk <laughs> style games. And I think Alex and I, that's a little bit before our gaming time. So yeah, we, we kind of like cracked it open and we're like, Ugh. what is it? Like, <laughs> why would you do this? <laughs> This doesn't. This like on earnestly and honestly does not look fun. To me. Uh, you know, I'm not. I'm not trying to do this. But you might. You might get a kick out of it because some of those reference points might be a little bit more. Because uh, I'm super old. Because I'm yeah. Just, I'm... I incredible. I was like, wow. Yeah. yeah. Baz wow, has re man. revealed to us that his uh, he's uh, sensitive about his age, which is, I mean, to be fair, very ancient, but uh, incredible to see Eric just go after him for it. Well, look, you yeah. know, it's like it, it's uh, you're I, you're 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 an older person who likes video games, right? Like that, <laughs> that's you know, you're one of the ancients. Like and, yes. and anyone older than you is is just not is not not going to have that those video game references. You say <laughs> you you, re, you revere me like a village elder. Mm -hmm. Is that what you're saying? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Right. You're right. <laughs> um where so where did you go from there uh so uh i i think i've had at least one console from every generation okay. since then wow um uh parents took care of the uh nes nice. circa 91 nice uh parents took care of the snes circa 94 or 5 sure, sure, sure. uh got like a a school pc so i did like a little bit of the pc gaming in high school oh nice um which i liked i, I think i liked it more than consoles because pcs were better at the time maybe yeah. they still are i don't know but the culture of pc gaming has kind of like lapped me these days so it's hard for me to dig into it you don't have one of those rigs with like five different monitors <laughs> that wrap around your head and, and colors it's it's more like i don't have like the sense of pride in what that rig would be mm. to feel like I belonged in the conversation. Like, I, I think I understand the technical parts of like what a good rig would be, but like, I don't care enough about it to yeah. like, yeah, to show up. And, <laughs> and, and honestly, like the current PC gaming culture is so like 
online and and voice chat base that it terrifies me oh <laughs> yeah drive. yeah yeah it, those yeah online games are i've just i think over the past year kind of but not even in the pc world like i'm playing on xbox against pc people that are just like wrecking me and stuff like that but it's so it can get so toxic and also they're all just so much better than i am it's just like <laughs> well this is i think this is fun i think i'm having fun <laughs> it makes it really satisfying when i'm able to like you know beat somebody or whatever because i'm like you are supposed to be better than me and i beat you and and, <laughs> and that's just a, that's I, i've really enjoyed having my gaming pc since i got one but it's also just like the, the reason i got it was because i liked I, I have a switch that i like a lot but i realized that the things i liked most about the switch were the nintendo properties obviously but then also all the cool indie games and i was yeah. like well if you like indie games like pc is where it's at and then for this bundle is like there was so much shit that I wanted to that I couldn't play because I had a Mac, and so when I got one, I was like, "Shit, I can play all those games!" And now it's uh, awesome. <laughs> I can just disappear into this thing for days at a time if I need to, yeah. which I don't need to. To make it very clear, but <laughs> it's very fun to from from now every now and again. So Baz, if you're if you're thinking about your next project, build yourself a little PC, man. It's been fun. You know, maybe I will. I think I've got to I've got to come to terms with. Uh like a way to insulate myself from the uh the the sides of the culture that i think are problematic and yeah. once i reach that like that that place i'll be willing to dive in um Do you... but i'm glad that people like you guys are standing up for like you know the righteousness in <laughs> gaming culture that's one way to say to say what we do but, <laughs> but as if we're talking about like because it, it's so cool that you were like into the whole generations of gaming do you have like a game or two from each generation that you want to give a shout out to right now as, like, oh. your, your, your faves or your, your tops? yeah mario listens to this podcast so <laughs> mario and mario both both iterations <laughs> All right, yeah. Well, they're all they are all Madden releases. What was your first Madden game? You like sports games, right? I've I've played. I've had my ass whipped in FIFA by you before. Uh, I, I I I I like limited sports games. Like I I I pick up like a FIFA per generation, and I pick up an NHL per generation, mm. um, and I'll play through a season once, and then set it down but like uh it's rare that i like uh get super hyper invested in it it's just like fifa also like satisfies like the wannabe uh like european football fanatic in me uh -huh. so scratches two itches at once i learned all i learned all rules of sports from video games like that's the way <laughs> i learned sports rules just from from the beginning from like football onwards my like that sega sega era football was like mm, just so good all like top <laughs> down two-dimensional like when you threw the ball it just sort of got bigger on your screen which meant that it was coming up towards you and then smaller <laughs> it was like impossible to really court like coordinate catching at all because you're like i there's no third dimension here <laughs> It's it's perfect because back then football was so much a running game. You know what I mean? So like, you just... uh, <coughs> All right, but you I, were giving shout outs. I, 
Oh yeah, can I can I still do that? Is that okay? I don't yeah, want to like please. ruin the flow. All right, so uh, I gave you my C my C sixty four shout out uh, to Montezuma's Revenge, and I'll also throw out a honorable mention to a game called uh, Aztec, which was one of those like uh, it was a graphic game, but kind of like King's Quest style, like text interface. Mm-hmm. So. If you wanted to make your explorer walk to the right, you had to type walk right, and then he would keep walking. Oh, wow. And then if he was near, if he was nearing a hole in the ground, you had to type in jump. Otherwise, he would just fall <laughs> into the hole. <laughs> <It's so good. laughs> you typed jump. <laughs> jump! No jump! <laughs> It was it was actually it was proto quap right like this was this was where quap came from. Um, so I have another good pro- bet. You typed yeah. kiss the snake instead of <laughs> kill the snake. Um, on the uh, Atari twenty six hundred, uh, this is an easy one for me. Actually, it's Sequest, which was an Activision title. Oh, cool. Uh, you played like a little submarine that was rescuing divers who were perpetually being chased by sharks from both ends of a screen. Oh, that's so. Fun. That sounds delightful. Yeah, <laughs> it was delightful. <laughs> uh, NES probably a little bit harder for me to decide, but I'm gonna go with uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles two, the arcade game. Oh, so good. The yeah. the Turtles in Time was it. Is it that one? I those so NES is my sort of entry point, and I remember playing uh, at my aunt's wedding, like meeting my cousins, and they had an NES, and we were playing. I think the first Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles game, which had that like there was a map kind of above where you could pop out and walk around yeah. like on the street, and then you would go down, and the levels were down there. And it was like maybe one of the first times that I remember somebody recognizing my like playing video games face. You know what I mean? Where my like cousins <laughs> who I had just met were like, whoa, like you're really into it. And I was like, oh, <laughs> oh no, this might be bad. <laughs> but at Navy yeah. Pier Arcade, we beat uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Turtles in Time which it was I, nice oh, just truly probably my friend adam's dad was like sneaking quarters into the machine but i felt like i was on the roll and just did it with one quarter or something like that <laughs> i'd say like go with that memory mm-hmm. and, and roll with it and and brag about it yeah because that's the way it happened yeah um but actually like the uh, the first uh teenage mutant ninja turtles game on the nes was like my my first experience with like disappointment in licensing (laughs) (laughs) and and, like I had played a bunch of like licensed games on the Atari but didn't mind it because I didn't know like things could be better so it was fine um did you ever play that ET game I don't have I don't have memories of playing it but I know we had it Uh and I what I think happened was like my my tolerance for bad gaming it was it was non-judgmental but it was super fast right mm. like uh i would play it i'd be like no nah, this sucks and then i would put it away and then never play it again and never speak of it again but that's not how the <laughs> internet works these days so um 
but like by the time they had the NES, you guys should have been able to like think through whether or not this game actually delivers on the promise of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles or not in that first game. Yeah, totally. Did not. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, is it okay if I go with like a pretty standard one for the SNES? Or do you guys want No, I, only I, deep cuts, Baz. Come on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Change with Ninja Turtles 2, that universally reviled <laughs> game <laughs> for the Nintendo Entertainment System. Uh, uh, Link to the Past is like flawless, yeah. and I still, I still play through it again every couple of years. So uh, it's kind of hard to top that. Like, the power of getting the hook shot is just intoxicating and the magic mirror and everything about that game is great. So it's hard to like say the game could be topped. <laughs> Han, it's more of the Zelda head. I have, I have limited uh, Zelda experience. I've only played Ocarina of time. That's the only one that I've, which is very good, which it was, it was great. And at some point I want to play the uh, breath of the wild, just which is, you know, that's the, that's the capital G game. Yeah, I, I so got to agree with Alex there. I, I, I ultra completed Breath of the Wild. I probably that's sunk like, that's right. I probably sunk four hundred hours into it. Um, oh my god! It was all on planes. Like I was flying to China once a month at the time for work, and um, I, I decided for my own personal reasons that completing the game meant getting every single piece of equipment, finding every single treasure uh defeating every single enemy on master mode unlocking everything and maxing out rupees and like literally playing the game until there was nothing left to accomplish and <laughs> sir you have to get off the plane now <laughs> it's so funny because that that's a game that like you know with so many of the open world games like the rails don't show until you get like overpowered you know and yeah. then or you like once you like sort of rise up to do you know but there's always then the world kind of feels empty but there's still stuff you could do but like that what you described as a level of emptiness in a world i have never experienced where there is literally <laughs> you if you put that game now you'd be like there's not the literally nothing i could do right now that would uh that i i haven't done already you know based on sort of what they've assigned you know as as measurable like achievable things which is another well, I, level i i feel like when when i stumble across like a, a game where everything kind of works for me and hits all the reward centers in my brain just right I do kind of want to exhaust all of like the measurable stuff. And then if I'm still into the world that they've created, I will start doing what those kids on the internet do and basically create challenges for myself to enjoy. <laughs> and, and I really actually, I really dig checking in on like what breath of the wild super players are into these days. Like I saw some guy who decided to see if he could uh, launch an ancient arrow from one side of the map to the other and hit a guardian with it and he he used all of those like you know those little uh exploits and hacks that you can do with like mega jumps and and super gliding and all that stuff and totally did it like had like a split screen side by side showing like the guardian over here and then firing it from like the desert in gordo all the way up to the the ancient technical area which i can't remember the name of um and it was it was like yeah i celebrate you that is that is a beautiful thing you just that did. is so that's so cool i feel like there's like one of two ways you could go which is like in one world 
you know, you kind of push the game by its rules to, to the limit. And then the other world, you just start like shipping like what <laughs> your character would do in the game. Like, oh no, I'm not going to do that because I'm being nice. I'm going to be nice to this person. So that's why I'm putting this thing back here. You know, just like playing it the like a, a certain sort of way, but like having no bearing on how the game is played, just creating these worlds in your head about why you're doing certain things. I actually did do one of those things in Breath of the Wild. <laughs> I, I decided that like I wanted to give Beetle like one of every Beetle and just to see if he would notice. <laughs> um, uh, spoiler, he didn't, but it, it was like... <laughs> It definitely filled up like a day's worth of time for me, like just making sure I had one and everything. And and that's and, one and flight like, to China right there. It was one flight to China, and like you talk about emptiness, and it was it was kind of like a full emptiness, right? Because I was I was like a little sad that he didn't notice, and that <laughs> sadness was an outgrowth of the game not responding to me, <laughs> rather rather than rather than me being done with stuff. So it felt it felt like. It felt like active disappointment, and I liked that. <laughs> you were, but you were betrayed, which just goes to show what a little shame pig you are. Right there. You know what I mean? Like, oh, I outsmarted the, I outsmarted the game. That's part of the no game. Big deal. Yeah. Yeah. What are you, what are you dying to talk about? Well, let me, let me. I'll just, I'll skip the other ones and say that there is a dark horse on Dreamcast that's worth shouting out. Okay. Um, everyone who plays Dreamcast talks about Shenmue or. Uh, Jet Grind Radio or whatever the title was for that at the time. And those are great games, but uh, there was a little like ace combat clone called like Air Force Delta or something like that. Yeah. That was like so over the top in its arcadeness that <laughs> it brought me like hours upon hours of joy. You know, like every mission was like, there's like, there's a satellite armed with nuclear bombs. It's about to crash into Chicago. <laughs> Go up there and fight. And and it's for as bad as like the ace combat games are with like voiceover and cutscenes, like this was worse oh. uh so like super highly recommended it's like a three dollar purchase at like on ebay so if you have a dreamcast sitting around just like pick it up it'll be like good dumb fun maybe i'll come by and borrow your dreamcast for for a week or something just to play that <laughs> So this week we played three games, Jump Grid, Golf Peaks, and Without Escape. Uh, Baz kept on saying he couldn't play a specific game, so we eventually drilled it down to three sort of arcadey games <laughs> away from like much bigger, more like, you know, juicier games. But uh, the ones we got are, are a little smaller and a little more interesting. This was an interesting week of games. Why don't we start with Golf Peaks? Uh, from Afterburn, Wernk, and Mizgra, a single-player atmospheric casual uh, sports golf puzzle game built in Unity. Description, relaxing puzzle game where you climb mountains by playing golf. Conquer 100-plus handcrafted puzzles using a card-based movement system. Um, yeah. This was cool. Yeah, so it's like this, uh, you've got a little grid, and you have a selection of yeah cards of different type of golf moves you can do. I don't, I, I'm not really. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a correct description. <laughs> Yeah, I would say different kind of golf like distances and moves you can do. Yeah, you either put something in the in the air or on the ground. Uh, you know, action points and movement points. Yeah, yeah. and it's familiar. And then you just sort of try and solve these little little puzzles. And uh, yeah, it's fun. It's cool. I like it. Anytime I did it correctly, it made me feel really smart. 
You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it was just sort of like because <laughs> and, and the way that the the level design advanced was you know just pretty pretty classic, but also like I think very um, you know they did a good job with the puzzle crafting as far as sort mm-hmm. of level design and the ways in which each of these levels kind of got uh, you know more complex or complicated in the introduction of these kind of like golf landscapes right so you had you had your little sand traps you had little, little ponds you had quicksand um yeah it was what did you think Baz? what was what was your thoughts as you played through uh, golf peaks pretty much the same thing you guys are saying like i i read the description and i was like oh yeah yeah we can do this and <laughs> sure enough like it was it was totally satisfying and i it's a weird thing to call out in a game like that but i thought the sound design was terrific like yeah yeah the 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 music and like the 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 very simple little sound effects were just like perfectly suited to the style of game it just created like a like simultaneously like cerebral and like sensorily soothing experience so i totally dug it yeah, the graphics uh, at the same time. I think we should shout out. They're like these sort of cartoony, very simple things, but they, it when taken into consideration with the sounds, it just creates this very, like you're saying, soothing, nice package. My question about it is, because all the levels that I played had only one way to, to solve it. You know, that was at least my experience. I, I'm I'm wondering if at later levels. There's there's like things where it's like your path is not so uh, confined. It's mm-hmm. is there always you think like one way to be able to figure out a level, or does that it sort of expand a little bit? Um, and I appreciated at least the ones I played that only had one way to solve it that I could find anyways. Is that I never felt like oh this is like just some random collection of things, and so the game glitched out, and I, I, I'm just not going to be able to beat this. It's like, no, there's a way to beat this. I just have to figure out what it is and find yeah, it. Yeah, somebody somebody did the like did good work in terms of... Yeah, exactly. Like, Level design. Versus like some of the roguelikes that we've played, where, where I understand... Exactly. I underst- Procedurally generated things, all this stuff, and then <coughs> it just, by nature, fucks itself up. Um, it, it does have that like little bit of a trap of like mazes where you could you start to i don't know maybe it's not a trap but like you start to plant you like look at it backwards right where you're like oh i'm gonna need this you know like hit this three in a row at the very end here right and then it's like okay from here oh i gotta get to this point but even that it was like that's fine that's totally fine i like puzzles i like like playing puzzles in in this way It, it kept me it kept me very entertained and uh i like after i played it like i think i was like in a really bad mood when i booted this game up and <laughs> found myself like at the end of the night like having played it for like an hour or whatever and just like in a much better mood yeah good this this game rules <laughs> this is a good game so let's go around i'll start am i a pass or play i'm a play on this one wait what like what do you have to do that's so fucking good you can't just take yourself away and enjoy this game for a half hour to an hour every day for two weeks honestly what's wrong with you it's a play uh Maz, what do you think yeah you piece of shit why can't you just play this fucking game (laughs) yeah it's a it's a play definitely 
You motherfucking idiot. <laughs> the shit is wrong with you. Play this fucking game. Get off your ass. Quit playing real golf. Real golf is, is a fucking nightmare. Fucking ruining Los Angeles with all of its goddamn water bullshit. You need so, so much water to water your fucking green ass lawns. You're not paying high enough taxes on your golf courses since it's ownership is passed down to the same people for fucking 50 years you sons of bitches yeah this game is is super fun i i I like the idea a bunch and and it's um you know as we've we're like kind of getting to a point where we've played like a hundred of these games and (laughs) and and when we play something like this where it feels like you know other games that we've played before but it's also like somebody decided to do this kind of like you know this like tactics golf right like as you you texted like XCOM golf which i think is like a really <laughs> funny like way to sort of think about it and it, and it's really it's really fun to me that somebody you, you know that this is a thing and we haven't encountered this type no, of a thing yeah, before exactly. and it and it was really uh really well crafted and well designed yeah i'm a i'm a play on this it looks like we're a triple play baby triple play baby um next up we are playing or we played uh, let's do without escape from bumpy trail games a dark atmospheric fmv horror mystery point and click puzzle adventure that escape harkens back to first person graphic adventures of the early 90s which relied on pre-rendered graphics and full motion video to tell interactive stories Explore the confines of your own home as you flip between a mundane existence and a horrifying otherworld. Can you escape the nightmare and find the answers you're looking for? Question mark. Mm. Um, so this game, I I honestly didn't play it for very long. I'm I'm not huge into point and click games in general, and I got going with this and started noticing a couple gaps in maybe like the world of the game, and just felt to myself like, oh, well, you know, I already don't sort of like this. I'm not really drawn to this to begin with. I'll play it for a little bit longer, but then if I'm not like drawn to it any longer, I'm just going to step away and it'll be a, a pass for me. Um, but what did you guys think? Hmm. How much did you play? We'll start with uh, with you, Baz. How much did you play of this? Did you beat it? I, I think I did. Wow. <laughs> You fell forever and I, collected a bunch of gold on your I fell, Yeah, I, I, fell, <laughs> I fell into it. I reached a point in the game where... Uh, I, I, are spoilers even allowed? I don't know. Yeah, um, we can... I mean, yeah, spoil, if, you, if you're going to play okay. this game, skip ahead. Because well, Bass is about to I, spoil the shit out of it. I think this game is one of those, like, multiple ending uh, click venture type games. Yeah. Um. And I think I reached an ending that uh, was like, <laughs> at one point, it's like, well, you can't go downstairs because downstairs is covered with blood. And no. I tried to go back inside. No, you can. And it, and it was like, I could, I could get past that somehow. Yeah, you can get rid of the blood. There's a, there's a tube that'll suck all the blood up. <laughs> I, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, I guess that, that, sort of tells you where i'm at with it i'm, I'm kind of like with alex on this like uh i i i really loathe escape rooms uh mm. and one of the most like disappointing gaming experiences of my life was like getting a copy of mist after it had been like like so hyped while i was in high school and 
and being like super disappointed in what it actually turned out to be. Mm. Uh, I'm not I'm not shitting on Mist, like, uh, but I was definitely like primed for something different. But for some reason, like this this game harkened back to that. So like I had this like muscle memory or like disappointment recall of playing Mist. <laughs> mixed with mixed with escape rooms which i despise and i was just like i i don't think i can do this yeah <laughs> i i like so i think I, I i remember in the the 90s my uncle had like a mac uh and he would like come over with like his mac laptop and we would play you know the, whatever like point and click adventure games we could you know he had sort of uh found and i've always been so bad at them just like i just like i find i'm like i just don't know you know i always get to a point where i'm like i can't figure this out and and i feel like the trap of these types of games is like like you kind of just need to click on everything right like it's like at some point you just kind of get to these these kind of like roadblocks where it's like oh do you mean i have to like go back to another screen and just try to like click on everything again so what i did um just because i wanted i felt like i wanted to like i i got stuck probably pretty early on where i couldn't find like some key somewhere and um i finally i like finally found a like playthrough of the game and like figured out where that key was so like i cheated a couple times in order to to find like what was next and i think that in some ways unless you like love these types of games like give yourself full permission to cheat a little bit right like just because mm -hmm, it's yeah. like i don't find it satisfying to try and like grind that you know this right like it's i i always i'm always very happy when i'm like oh yeah well like i got this and then i got this and now i'm here it, like it always feels good when you can like kind of advance in it um but that said, once I gave myself that little bit of permission to to cheat a little bit, I think that this game is like okay. It's not bad. It's kind of like very. It's like David Lynchy sort of like you know start right where it's kind of this sort of surrealist trapped in your own home kind of thing, um, and then like yeah, that second the like once you finally get the batteries for the TV and it like transports you into this like realm where your house is like filled with blood and i love this there's this moment where um like you're like surprised by like these like you know hanging sacks of dead bodies that are like moving and then there's some point where you're like yeah there's a dead body here in blood can't say i'm surprised anymore which <laughs> is like such a funny sentiment <laughs> yeah he's like speared and <laughs> I'm picking up an organ. At some point, you like reach into the toilet with your sweater, and because there's crap in the toilet to like find a key. I, this person has like a little bit of a a sense of humor that that I think is like uh, you know. I kind of yeah, I I hear you on that, and I I think I was I I would have been more satisfied if that sense of humor was really ascendant in mm. the game, and I I felt like. I wasn't sure why the developers were afraid to go there. Mm. Um, like, cause they, they were calling out stuff like, yeah, of course this door is locked because these games always start with you in a house with nine doors and eight of them are locked. Yeah. And like they, 
they made a joke about it, but they weren't willing to like follow like why that joke was funny to something that would have elevated the game. I think. Sure. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, I did. So I wrote down some of the names of the books uh, that were on the bookshelf. Help! I can't write. <laughs> Code your first pong game. Talk to the cockroaches. Paranormal stuff is real. And fuck all the hate in this world. <laughs> Which I just like. Okay, I take it back. This game rules. <laughs> um, all right, let's let's go around. Pass or play? Uh, I'll start. I'm a pass on this one. I'm not a big point and click guy, and. When I walked out, it said I couldn't get back into my bedroom because the door was locked. But then I, the room I had started in was my bedroom, but I could get into that. I was just annoyed. <laughs> so I, I, I was out in the game from then. Uh, Eric, what about you? I, I think I'm going to be a play on this one. I think that like... Yeah, there's it's rough it's rough around the edges. And, and if you don't like point-and-click games, then like this isn't going to be the game that like you know makes you get you in the point fall and in love with yeah, point yeah. and click <laughs> games but uh you know atmosphere wise and sort of um tone wise i think they did a you know like a pretty decent job with some of the 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 spookiness and um i was not i was like legitimately surprised when it became like vicious and violent and then at some point like the wall of your kitchen falls away and there's this sort of like beacon you know like fantasy-esque island hidden out in the the you know like distance and i I don't know there's like some legit kind of like cool you know like 70s horror fantasy kind of like aesthetics in this and uh yeah so i think give it a shot if you like these types of games and and if you if you don't then you you can go ahead and move on but i'll I'll be a play for that reason what about you Baz? Uh, I'm a, personally I'm a pass, uh, but you know, um, it, from what you're saying, Eric, it sounds like if if you like these games enough to know how to navigate them, you might be able to find some some satisfying uh, treasures throughout. So if, yeah, if you're well, super into the genre, go for it. I mean, when I watched the person like do the playthrough of this, they were like, "Oh yeah, okay, like I remember that," and it's like 2003, and he's 47 years, so like subtract that, and that's the birth of. And it's like how the fuck did you like just do that just like off the top of your head like how is this playthrough of this game not just you being like god damn it god damn it god damn it (laughs) (laughs) so yeah i think that it's like yeah it's probably like any game right where it's like you play it enough you kind of get a a sort of you like get the language of it like a crossword or whatever where you're like oh i just know you know these are like the usual four letter words that you should use but yeah I do have a retro point and click game you could pick up if you're really interested, Eric. What's that? (laughs) Monty Python and the Meaning of Life. You know what? I've I've heard that it's great, right? Like it's fantastic. It is so good. You know what, guys? I've got a point and click game for you too. It's called The Real World. Oh yeah. (laughs) Oh yeah. I've never done a escape room. Have you actually ever had to do an escape room, Bass? Uh, work on one like no. D- no 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 i mean be in one yeah <laughs> not a fan not a fan okay all right <laughs> i did the, I, did, I, I did the uh, escape room bundle for social justice 
<laughs> and we're playing yeah. through it all right now. <laughs> Next up, we got Jump Grid from Ian McLarty, a 2D action arcade challenging retro bullet hell sort of puzzly game. Description, survive an ever-moving cosmic obstacle course by deftly teleporting between nodes on the jump grid. Success requires only a few seconds of precision finger ballet, but touch any of the pulsating hazards, and the level instantly resets without penalty. Ready for you to try again and again and again. This is a game about honing your muscle memory until you learn to dance with your fingers. That's a great description. This game was, like, fun as fuck. This is so... What a, like, cool, like... It executes on its promise very well graphically sound like wise and then also like tactily the way sort of you interact with things and the way it just feels to move around it's it really executes on exactly what it's going for and it's just fun you know it a game like this if it's not if it doesn't succeed it makes you feel bad when you lose but i never felt bad when i lost in this it's like okay we're gonna boot it up and try again you know it's it was was super fun uh what did you guys think yeah, yeah, I had a similar experience to you. I was so glad that they didn't make me go back to the very beginning, like first level. It was it it really is like you lose without penalty, but that didn't f- like sometimes in games where you can lose without penalty, you're like you get pretty bored pretty quickly, right? Because you're like, "Oh, okay, there's no real obstacle here." But like the game itself is very difficult. Like I was like, "Did you guys play piano at all growing up?" I, no, sir. Then how the fuck were you able to play this game like i just yeah. i felt like so i it made my it made me feel like i just like like my fingers were just not good enough <laughs> like i just had such a hard time like navigating navigating this place but it's it was cool it's very cool what do you think baz i loved it um i i, I everything that you guys are saying is absolutely true and like I had my first real experience with like the massacre genre this year when I played through Celeste for the first time. Oh. And and that that sense of like death being irritating but not like our ruining <laughs> and like folding that into a puzzle format was really great. Um and I like there was the you, you learn them really quick, but they're like these like realizations you make about the controls that once you get them, mm-hmm. it's it's it feels like super great and empowering and fitting. Like the fact that you could leap from the bottom of the grid to the top of the grid. Yeah, exactly. Down. Exactly. Felt like a superhero when I figured that out. <laughs> yeah. and, and it also and like fact- literally opened up a whole new dimension of the game. It was just like yeah. oh. I'm supposed to be doing that too. Like, geez. Or when you could yeah. like hop over the things as it was coming. Like it, it felt at first, like you couldn't let that like plane sort of touch. And then you were like, there were right. points where you're like, how would I be able to do it? And you like skip over it and you're like, Oh, oh cool. Yeah. Oh yeah. And those like the subtleties of the controls that exist, but they aren't really told mm-hmm. to you, I think is like, that's something Celeste did really well too. And those are the discoveries that you make just through experimentation. And when there's rapid and repeating death, like the experimentation happens naturally, yeah. which gives you that, that sense of reward and accomplishment. And uh, like on top of that, like I, I found myself like, even when I started the game over from like level one, I was really digging on like 
finding these like really great opening sequences that I could do with my fingers to like <laughs> clear clear this corner like before this obstacle got over here and there were multiple ways to approach every puzzle and I could like see myself getting super into this. It was, it was, it was super fun. Do you feel like, let me ask you a question, Vez. Do you feel like you learned how to dance with your fingers? I feel like if I, you know what I want to do is I want to like play it, but I want to set up my iPhone like over my arrow keys and (laughs) like, just record myself doing it and find the song that fits to what my fingers are doing. I'll tell you, it's the song Where Have My Fingers Been, the warm-up improv song. You're going to love it. <laughs> oh, God. You guys no. are going to absolutely love it. No. You know what game this reminded me of was Super Hexagon, Eric, that we played earlier in the bundle? Yes, which I... The game did. by Terry Kavanaugh, the incredible game name. Uh, yeah. Terry Kavanaugh. I was not yeah, I was not into that one, but that one was like no, was, was very spinny and it made me really dizzy. Yeah. And this was like very zippy. Yeah, it was zippy. It was it was zippy. Tactically very satisfying. It felt like you know, like a like a flash game from ten years ago that I you know, if I was still doing homework i i would have procrastinated my homework by really <laughs> trying to finish this I, I feel like this is a really weird detail to like celebrate the developers on but the speed at which your little guy moves from one dot to the other after you press an arrow is perfect somehow <laughs> and I, totally. I don't know how to explain the feeling but it was like it just it just made so much sense it was like light speed minus six six miles per hour or something well like we've talked about like the difference between games that encourage you to to play in them versus games that like discourage that and this is definitely one where it's like as soon as you bounce around like there was a point where it was just like this level is so difficult. I'm going to like mash the buttons. And even that felt like really fun where it was like, this is like, this is cool. Like, and and so I think, yeah, you're right. You're, you're, you're spot on that. They did a really good job of like making something that made it feel like, like just like you wanted to do it. Like you just wanted to do it more. And every time you beat a level, you're like, Ooh, (laughs) like, I can't wait to see like what they have next for me. Well, they also, they introduced like, different it's really interesting to look at this game in the context of something like golf peaks you know Hmm. where golf peaks is a puzzle game where at least as far as i made it there's one way to beat it every time you want to just make sure you're using the cards in the right way they have there's a plan that you need to execute on every time execute on every time and you're kind of figuring it out and this is the sort of acrobatic like wall climby version of that where they might be you know they're introducing some things but there is not just one way to do it you know uh, there's probably multiple ways to do it and you can try different things based on like what happens and try to figure it out um, and eventually get to the end. But there's a couple different ways you could go, which is really interesting. But the one I really loved was there's one later on, or I guess still very early. I didn't make it very far in the game, but eventually like this big diagonal one comes down and introduced the element of time for the first time into the level, which had not been there previously. And I was like, that's fucking cool that they are still <laughs> innovating on this thing you know with all the different shapes that they can do and just it's not just difficult they can make it difficult in different ways they've really thought it through yeah yeah uh i'm playing <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> what about you, Baz? What's your final thoughts? I'm a, I'm a, I'm a play, play, yeah. play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm I'm also a play. I think I like you know like generally I gravitate towards the uh, golf peaks type of like a puzzler where I can spend a little bit of time thinking about it and then feel smart afterwards. This is a game that that sort of encourages you to think a little bit less and just sort of like work at that kind of like you know sort of uh pre-thought aspect of your brain and and flow yeah athletic get, just get in there get your fingers dancing ddr get your for your ddr yeah. for your fingers <laughs> it's it's a good game i'm gonna play that's a that's a triple play for us triple play baby well uh michael thank you so much for being on the podcast this was an absolute joy um where do you, do you have any projects you want to plug any uh, theme parks <laughs> opening up in you know far off regions of the world that are still building infrastructure and new things inside yeah. the united states yeah uh i actually do how about that uh if 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 anyone out there is in hong kong uh this summer uh a water park that i worked on is opening on in taishuan bay so uh swing by and unreal have, that's so fucking cool <laughs> Uh, and if anyone's in Malaysia, uh, an attraction that I worked on in the Genting Highlands is opening up. Um, and uh, I guess like the most pertinent thing is uh, some of some of the designers from our studio are actually going to be speaking at GDC this year. Um, mm. So if anyone has access to the GDC uh, narrative presentations, uh, um, possibly me, but definitely some of my fellow theme park designers are going to be talking about um, how we approach narrative and theme park design and how game designers approach narrative and their design and how the two can learn from each other. So um, that's if that awesome. interests you at all, um, check it out. That was a great episode of Bundle Buddies. Oh, Alex, you know what? I think you and I are getting really good at this. And I wholeheartedly agree. Uh, our guests next week are Brian Biancardi and my classic, we're without Eric Roth. Can you I believe know. it, folks? We're... I know. It's, uh, we're, tr we're experimenting right here. I, uh, I went Alex to, is I stepping out on his own. I went, to, I went to Joshua Tree with my wife. And instead of uh, trying to rush home from our vacation to make the recording, Alex graciously allowed me to take a day off. Because I'm a benevolent producer and boss. <laughs> he was so gracious. He my PTO. Yeah. Um, I, but really it's a fun episode. The, episode. <laughs> the games we're playing are Order a Pizza, a visual novel from Rocket Adrift, a visual novel, 2D comedy, hand-drawn, pizza, psychedelic, Ren P. Palm Simulator 9000 from D. Marie. A simulation illustrated sci-fi text-based twine game. And then Barrel Roll from Matthew Lawrence, an action simulation 3D arcade experimental game jam PSX retro game. That's Ooh. it for this week's pod, people. Um, Alex, I love you. I love you. Always have. Always will. Like and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a review there. And track us down on the web at bundle underscore buddies on Twitter. Bye. Bye.
Buddies is produced by Alex Hunter and Eric Roth. Our theme song is Neoshiki by Roll Music. Email bundlebuddiespodcast at gmail.com to say hi.